Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, everyone. This is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys. And on this week's podcast, Jack Kelly joins Ben Gulker and I to talk about your 11-31 and 31 Detroit Pistons. Jack catches Ben and I up on what we missed during the holiday season. We have a great discussion about the Isaiah Stewart-Jalen Duran front court pairing and what to do with that pairing in the wake of Marvin Bagley's injury. We talk about Jade Nivey's defensive lapses. And then we talk about Troy Weaver's curiously timed contract extension. Hmm. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you feeling today? Hey, feeling feeling wonderful. It was a great game today. Happy New Year. Pistons rang it in with a bang. Really came out and competed well against the Embiidless 76ers took advantage of the fact the 76ers didn't have their star and uh, really showed up to play. So glad to be talking about that. How you doing, Les? I'm doing good. Uh, we, we talked. You talked a little bit about the new year. Uh, I took a nice little vacation with the family over uh, Christmas and New Year, so I did not get to watch every single Pistons game uh, in the last yeah. two weeks. Yep. But So I noted that we should probably talk to somebody who did do that. And so starring on this week's podcast, we got Jack Kelly of Detroit Bad Boys. How's it going, Jack? Oh, man. I'm excited to be on the pod. I think it's been almost a year to the day since yeah. I was on last time. So I'm really yeah. excited to record with you guys, but... Uh, my positivity, even with some wins in the past fortnight, is um, it's taken a hit. From being honest, so but I did enjoy a nice New Year's with my girlfriend and family down at the nice. beach. So yeah, man, I'm excited to talk hoops with you, you two, and um, yeah, let's do it. Good to have you, Jack. Yeah, it's good good to have you, Jack. Uh, so, Jack, for for the two dads who didn't quite catch everything that happened between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, what was what was the vibe kind of like? It seemed like the team, you know, competed pretty well on the West Coast road trip. Uh, they won in Minnesota in a game that was a, 
apparently so distasteful that, that like the beat writer for the uh, Timberwolves on the Athletic wrote like a scathing column about like how much the Timberwolves like sucked this year. Um, but it does kind of seem like we're still down only 11 wins on the season. What what was the vibe like over the holidays? Well, I think we'll start with the Timberwolves game because prior to that, they had a pretty sure a blowout loss to the Bulls. So the Wolves game, the Wolves got out to like a bit of a lead and then it was really the Pistons bench and Boyan that sort of came back and won that game for Detroit. And some, a player who's been pretty good the past week or so has been Hamadou Diallo, probably one of the few bright spots. But it's been weird because they had the win against the Wolves on the road. Even though the Wolves have been disappointing, you take that win. They also, but then they followed up with a blowout to the Blazers. Then they beat the Warriors on the buzzer from Sadiq Bay, who's been a divisive topic. So then your hopes are back up. And then they lose to the Spurs, who are tanking. And then... And then, yeah, it's just, it's been up and down. And the wins, as enjoyable as they sort of have been, the process just hasn't, yeah, there's a bit of like false hope, I guess, behind some of these wins because they're deserving wins, but you just don't feel like it's going to replicate into any sustainable success. And it's been sort of wind and a blowout. And I mean, we've had some Killian Hayes. I mean, he's been a bright spot, but. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the competitiveness has come from the, the veterans and the bench unit, which doesn't really get the fan base too excited. Um, so, yeah, it's been weird. They've had some wins, but, yeah, it's their overall outlook probably hasn't changed a whole lot. Yeah, Ben, we talked a, a couple of weeks ago about how it was going to be tough to measure this team's progression if the vets were doing a lot of the heavy lifting um in like in terms of like wins and losses uh like Boyan's been fine uh, Alec Burks has been fine but we've seen some real uh up and down play from the young guys over the last like week or so the guy I wanted to point to to start was Jaden Ivy you guys can't see it but Ben's display name for this podcast is <laughs> Jaden Ivy Stan and so uh but Ben, you, you tweeted out some stuff that I was going to look up and then didn't have the chance to, but I'm so I'm glad you brought it up. Jaden Ivey's defensive rating is what over the last 15 games? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 120-something bad. Yeah, I mean, his net rating over the last 15 is um, is real, real, real rough. Um, it's about – his net rating is around 101 – or sorry, his offensive rating is about 101 and change. His defensive rating is 123 and change, which – is just brutal. Um, his plus minus over the last 15 is negative 149, which is, you know, roughly negative 10 per outing. Um, you know, he, he's just really struggling defensively. Um, you know, Brady Fredrickson hopped in, in in Ivy's defense on Twitter, which I think is completely fair to point out that there's some coaching and roster deficiencies that I think make it tough for Jaden, and I think that's appropriate to point that out. Um, but I think the defensive deficiencies are particularly noticeable for Jaden right now. Um, he's a gambler defensively, which I, you know, I think in high school and college that works when you're such a, such a god among men, you know, athletically. Um, but I think when he gambles, the game just moves so much faster at the NBA level, and he's just not able to recover. And I think his gambling hurts the team defense 
so massively when he's not able to get the steal and it leaves his teammates struggling. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think the team as a whole, one of the things I noticed this week when I was diving back into, uh, I wasn't able to watch all of the games uh, that I had recorded, but one of the things I noticed was the perimeter guys are still struggling so much to figure out the on the ball screens. And this is across the board, but Ivy in particular, he's getting stuck on so many screens, it seems to me. And whether they're switching or whether he's supposed to be fighting over it when there's a big guy, um, I, I think defensively, he's just, he's really not making the strides that his athleticism suggests he should be able to make. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a big reason why the there's this big statistical gap between what he should be capable of and, and where he's currently at. So, you know, where he's at as a rookie is obviously not where he's going to be by the time he's 25 years old. But at this point in his, his rookie career, you know, his defense is just, it, it's really abysmal. <laughs> There's just no, no way around it. And he's had a handful of duds over the course of the 15 games offensively. And that's just pulled that, that, um, you know, that off those offensive numbers down. Now, in fairness, he's had a couple of really nice offensive games as well. He's had um, some really spectacular moments as well, too. Mixed in there when he's downhill, he's still spectacular at, at getting to the rim. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks ago when we talked before the New Year labs, we were talking about him maybe hitting a little bit of a rookie wall combined with the scout being out. Between then and now, he's had a few nice games, but – you know, defensively coupled with his shot not being there, coupled with um, still a couple of duds offensively, um, just the body of work. Yeah, he, he's he's kind of struggling right now, I think, overall. Yeah. And just to quickly add on, I think the disappointing thing with Jaden at times has simply just been the effort. So in the, I think it was at the start yeah, of the form, plus one. He, he had a pair of turnovers offensively on back-to-back possessions, which... I'm okay with, I, I get they're trying to get him some on-ball reps when Killian and Kojo aren't on the floor. So I'm cool, as frustrating as that is, but he sort of half got back on defense on one of his turnovers and just sort of, yeah, he just sort of let Philly like get this easy breakaway layup. I can't recall who scored it, but there was really just no effort there to disrupt the play. Even, in, even though Philly were more than likely going to always score, there was just, he sort of just stood there in no man's land and didn't even offer much of a contest. So I think that sort of adds to the frustration, uh, probably from the fan base and I'm sure the coaching staff for raising this sort of thing. No, definitely. It was crystallized for me actually during the San Antonio game. There were a couple of possessions when like Trey Jones just beat him in isolation. And it's like, that is not supposed to happen when you're the type of athlete that you are and Trey Jones is the type of athlete that he is. Like, no. You know, no shade to Trey Jones, who like is a a solid NBA player, but that's a guy you should be able to stay in front of, and he just wasn't able to. And so, like, yeah, I've definitely noted Jaden Ivey's struggles defensively as part of the reason why the Pistons have struggled defensively. But I don't, I don't think it's fair to place all the defensive blame on, on Jaden Ivey's shoulders, but he does take a, a really big chunk of it at this point in time. Uh, the other thing I'll, I'll say is that uh, he's. He's not shooting the ball well still. Uh, he's still kind of been inefficient. His effective field goal percentage is only like – his effective. he has like a sub-50 uh, effective field goal percentage. It's like in the neighborhood of Killian's, which is like not not great, especially considering how uh, Killian started the year. Um, and so, yeah, we're 
but we'd still remain long-term bullish on Ivy, I think. But this is just, this has just been a very surprising uh, set of circumstances defensively because, like like Ben noted, you know, in high school and college, Ivy managed to be a you know somewhat competent uh, and effective defender. Uh, you know, being able to impact the game through like through steals and blocks, and we haven't seen as much of that in the uh, in the NBA uh, so far this season. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was Jack uh, Hamadou Diallo entering the the rotation again. Um, he's been we all be me and Ben always talk about Hamadou Spark. How the Pistons always seem to need Hamadou Spark. Um, he had a really effective game today against the Sixers with you know uh, twelve points off the bench, got a couple steals, seven rebounds. He's one. Of, he's the only Piston with a positive plus minus in today's game, which tells you like what kind of impact he had on the game. Um, but Jack like. Has I don't know has have the Pistons just been like riding the Hamadou Diallo wave up and down? Has he been like a consistent uh, contributor to this team, or has it been just kind of like in and out uh, as the as the uh, as we've gone into the new year? Well, in the past couple of weeks, he's averaging ten points and five boards with a steal and almost a block. So I think we all know Hami thrives amidst chaos. Like that's you know I mean tonight. Or this afternoon, should I say, he had one of these like those backcourt steals he just randomly gets. And he's also a gambler defensively. His off-ball stuff is probably the thing that's hampered him on the defensive end. But I think just his chaos, um, his ability to get offensive rebounds, that's been an avenue of scoring for him. Um, yeah, just mucking things up. And I mean, because the offense as a whole is, you know, I, personally, I'm getting a little bit sick of like these Bay and Bogdanovich mid-post um, ISOs. But, you know, he sort of just does provide that spark and catches the defense off guard. And um, so, I mean, I even thought, because um, I'm pretty sure we have Philly up next again, or at least the next couple of games, I thought if Jalen Duran's going to be out, I'd just throw Hummy in the starting lineup instead of Bay, just to mix things up, just try something. Because I think he just brings a different speed to the game. Um, and yeah, he's been, I mean, I was pretty low on Hamadou coming into the season. I didn't have him in the rotation and I guess, I mean, injuries have opened up spots for him, but yeah, I think he's been one of the few bright lights this past couple of weeks. Yeah. Ben, what do you think about throwing Hamadou Diallo into the starting lineup while Jalen Duran uh, is out with uh, his ankles week? Yeah, I mean, he to me, he was the only guy who looked like he was trying at times today. I mean, today was just such a pathetic effort. I, I hate being cliche, but that, that is what it looked like today. Um, Stu, I think, looked engaged at times. I mean, Stu always plays hard. Um, but the spark and effort, I mean, those words are literally cliches, but they, they perfectly describe uh, what we saw on the court today. Um Sadiq was also a complete dud in the starting lineup today. He was practically invisible. Um, he seemed to have found a nice niche in the bench unit as well. So maybe leaving him there makes an amount of sense. And throwing him into the four spot, I mean, throwing Hami into the four spot next to Stu at the five, I mean, you know, Hami, his issue has been he can't shoot and the Pistons need shooting. It's not that Hami can't play. It's that his tool set is the wrong one for what the Pistons need, right? And 
today Hami did some nice things. He's been in the doghouse for K- for Casey at numerous occasions. And whenever he gets out, he does nice stuff. He just can't shoot, and and the Pistons need shooting. Um, it, and he manages to find a way to do something useful whenever he gets a crack at it. And I, I you know, I pulled the stats earlier. Since he's been in the rotation, kind of mid December ish, he, he's doing nice things. He's doing homie things, right? He's he's shooting a decent percentage, even though he's not shooting the three well. He's snagging some boards, which is what they need right now in Duran's absence. You know, Jack, you're right. He's not obviously going to make up for that interior defensive presence, and he's going to do some dumb stuff that hurts overall team defense. But at least he makes some stuff happen right like he does something and for goodness sake they needed stuff to happen today so i mean they do you're right jack they do have philly next they go to philly and play on tuesday they gotta show up and if if homie does something and sparks some energy that would be better than what we saw today which was just coasting your way to a to a easy blow i mean well i think Harden had a double, uh, his triple double. What thirty seconds into the third quarter, without hardly trying. I mean, it was just an effortless coast your way to a twelve point win that felt like a thirty point win. So they they need the Pistons need more than that on Tuesday for sure. Yeah, it was it was definitely going to be like a twenty point win until uh, there was some garbage time uh, occurrences. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that late stuff in the fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I. I don't know. I I don't mind Hami as a as an energy guy as a as a role player, but it definitely does feel like you know we've it's taken you know injuries to Isaiah Livers and uh, Jalen Duran and Marvin Bagley for him to like really have this big role in the uh, in the rotation, and it's it's just been interesting to me that no matter like we talk about Hami just always being able to do stuff during his time on the floor and how that stuff just isn't always enough to keep him in the rotation when it's necessary because of some of the other stuff he does, which is like, you know, losing guys off ball or, uh, you know, missing on some of these gambles. But I do think Ben, we've, we haven't, I don't know if we've talked about this enough this season, but there has been a lot of listlessness in the Pistons play this season. And Hami is the opposite of that. Actually, we should we should probably talk about that. Why why do you think it feels like the Pistons aren't giving a ton of effort on a consistent basis? Like, what is it's like with a team this young? It does not seem like they you know should be tired after you know five games and eight nights or uh, after back to backs. So like Ben, what do you, what do you think it is that causes them to come out just completely flat some nights? This is such a good question. You know. Prior to this season, you know, let's talk about coaching, right? Um, I've not been a very vocal critic of Dwayne Casey. I mean, there have been times where his rotations have puzzled me. There have been times where offensive schemes have puzzled me. But there's lots of people like, we need to make a coaching change. I've not been among those among those people. I'm a big fan of Dwayne Casey, the human being. I'm a big fan of the no drama, the way he's developed human beings, the way he's developed character and all of those sorts of things. This is the first season where I feel like, especially defensively, he's gotten less out of the sum of the parts than he's gotten in the previous season. Like every season up to this point, I feel like 
the defensive effort and performance has been better than I would have expected coming into the season than less. This that's why you know like I, I'm thinking back to preseason predictions. Everyone was saying, "Ah, oh, the Pistons are going to be terrible defensively," and I'm saying, you know. Casey's always gotten more out of the teams than he's expected to get. So I think they're actually going to be okay defensively and they're abysmal, right? And it's translated. It's, it's almost like that's creeped into more than just defense and become sort of overall effort. So I don't, I can't say like, you can't look at this group and say, oh, Casey's losing the locker room because it's not like bleeding into, I mean, the most you could maybe say is, Killian getting into the scuffle with Mo, right? Like and clocking him in the back of the head. But, you know, like that just seemed like an out of character fluke. You've got Stu sort of getting into it, but that's just Stu being Stu. But, but I don't know, like for whatever reason, this group of guys, Casey doesn't seem to have been able to motivate in the same way that he's been able to motivate other groups of guys defensively. And my best guess, Laz, is it's, they're just not responding to him in the way that previous guys have been. And I also think some of it is that it's also the youngest group of guys. He doesn't have as many vets who know how to play NBA basketball and as big of roles as he's previously had. He's got bogey. He's got Burks and like, that's kind of it, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're so many young guys playing so many big minutes and, and he doesn't have vets showing the the young kids the way. So that that's my best guess. Laz, Jack, I'd love to see what you guys have observed and think on this as well because it's 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 the biggest surprise of of the season to me. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a it is a really good question and it's one that's sort of hard to answer from the outside. I mean, one thing you could point to, which I don't think is a great excuse, but because of the game they play in Paris, I believe they've played the most games in the league. Um, so that has to count for something. I saw Amari Sankofa tweet out that Casey was talking about they only got in at 3 a.m. the night before from San Antonio, and then they're playing today at 3 p.m., so there probably is a little bit of fatigue built up playing the most games. It feels like they've played a ton of back-to-backs, but I don't think that. that you know These guys are young for the most part, and that shouldn't be equating to sort of the efforts like we saw tonight for the most part. And that's not the first time this has happened. So, and yeah, I think some of it's on Dwayne like Ben. I, I mean, I don't want to go into it too much, but I'm never one that wants to go fire Casey or get rid of him and pin it all on him. Because like Ben said, he's been a great leader overall in a transition phase for the franchise, but the past couple of weeks has been the first time I've started to sort of feel like, the coaching change at the end of the season might be the right move, but I don't want to, you know, bore everyone with that. <laughs> but I'll just leave you with that, I guess. No, I, I definitely think that uh, you are not alone in thinking that a coaching change might be coming at the end of the season, Jack. I don't know if I'm ready to start, you know, calling for that, but I do think it's definitely on the table. Um I think Ben's point about the lack of veterans to lead by example defensively is is a good one. I do think about all the it's a lot of miscommunications on def- on defense, right? Especially as they leverage more switching. It's a lot of poor transition defense, which is part effort but also like part communication, like part matchup, 
part uh you like you know get that guy like fill the wing like stop the ball type of type of thing and i don't feel like they've they have done a really poor job of transition defense uh at times this season philly uh today was a good example of how they've done a poor job in transition defense as well um there's the play where like harden bumps killian is like trying to get to the guy in the corner in transition harden bumps ivy like out of the way and is able to finish with left because there's nobody left in transition despite it being somewhat of like a an even two on two fast break and it's just like stuff like that is just a killer from a from a from a defensive perspective and i wonder if that bleeds into the effort a little bit i wonder if you if you look up and you're down you know 12 every single first quarter because you're getting killed in transition if that doesn't have something to do with your your effort level the rest of the game um but i that's my pet theory i guess uh but yeah it, i i totally agree jack that it seems like the the effort has not always been there but i don't know fully like what to attribute that to uh this season for sure all right. the uh, The next thing I wanted to talk about was a bit of news that actually happened over uh, our uh, over our break. Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley got hurt. He uh, what was it, a uh, a hand injury. He will be reevaluated in six weeks, approximately like five days ago. So, you know, call it eight nine weeks until his return. This is Bagley's second extended injury of the season. Uh, Jack, you know, this shakes up the rotation, obviously, but what do you what do you think the Pistons will look like in general without having another like big to lean on uh, in Marvin Bagley? Well, I think we've already seen. I mean, Duran. It, it obviously means Duran and Stu. That pairing will now have to be split up for extended periods of times, which I don't think the numbers have reflected an awesome outcome with Stu and Duran next together uh, next to each other. But I've enjoyed watching them play together and just developing some chemistry but obviously those two will have to be split up to try and maintain some form of interior presence all 48 minutes because for some reason it feels like Nerland's Noel's out of the rotation unless Stu's the only big available so I'm not sure what's going on there um, but yeah I guess Marvin has probably he's he's been quite disappointing this season I was quite high on Bagley coming into the year I may have got seduced a little bit by that end of uh, his play, the end of last season. Um, but I also think he hasn't been utilized in as much pick and roll as I would have liked. But anyway, he has been a little bit disappointing, but he still would have, he provides you that 10.6 rebounds off the bench. Um, so I think obviously the rebounding will take a marginal hit. And yeah, they'll just have to try and fill gaps. Everyone will have to rebound. Um, but yeah. It is a loss, even if Marvin has been disappointing. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, Ben. Ben, do you think the Pistons? Uh, we talked a lot about Marvin Bagley's defense. Do you think they gain anything defensively by not having to play Marvin Bagley by 
choosing to stagger Stewart and Duran more often uh, in an ideal situation? I mean, <laughs> when you're playing Hami at the four, <laughs> I guess it depends on who you play at the four. Like, Bagley's not a good defender. Um, in theory, you lose Bagley and put a better defender in his place. Um, with this Pistons team, I wouldn't mind seeing more Nerlens Noel, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, he played fine today, I thought. I don't know, Jack, correct me, last correct me if I'm wrong. I thought he, he played well. Um, I can't believe I'm saying I would like to see a little bit more Nerlens Noel, like maybe 12 minutes a game, just to, like, stabilize, like, competent big men play. Like, oh, it's, it's an 11-win kind of season when you're saying, give me a few minutes in Nerlens Noel, I guess. You're, you're right, Les, though. I mean... When when you don't have Margot Bagley to rely on for some offense, that should improve your your interior defense. Um, unfortunately for Marvin, I mean, this is the story of his career, right? I mean, he played sixty two games as a rookie, and he's been injured every season since. Um, I hope he gets healthy. A season ago in Detroit seemed to be like it could be his resurgence. Jack, you're right; he's been a little underwhelming this year. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he didn't get to play with Cade. You know, he was injured when Cade was healthy. He gets healthy, Cade gets injured. Unfortunately, that we didn't get to see that chemistry. Hopefully, you get to see it next year. Um, but you're right, Jack. I think they're going to have to – Casey and coaches are going to have to be creative about how they stagger the two bigs um, that they have healthy. And and maybe, assuming we hold on to Nerlens and don't trade him for a 20-45 second-round pick, um, <laughs> we'll see a little Nerlens Noel – anchoring some defense as well because i think he's certainly capable of being a competent big defender as well yeah i i thought nerlens was fine defensively in today's game against philly i didn't think he was amazing i didn't think he was bad i thought he was fine um same some of the same communication problems that uh we've seen from the defense that's like caused uh like poor switching and just open lanes like still occurred with noel on the floor so we can't you know it wasn't a panacea, but he he was fine. He was fine. He made an impact. He had a couple steals, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he had a steal. Um, but to Jack's point, it's like splitting up the Stewart Duran front court is kind of the big loss of Bagley. Like the the numbers say that 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 front court has not been like terribly terribly effective. In 352 minutes this season, they have an offensive rating of 111 and a defensive rating of 117. Uh, when we looked at those numbers earlier, Ben, like they had like a defensive rating of 111, and we were like, "Ooh, that's kind of interesting." And now they're kind of back down to uh, that 117 uh, defensive rating, where they share that with a lot of the Pistons uh, lineup so far this season. Um, so it's like that's a you know negative six net rating. That's not terrible. But the way that that lineup has been able to just create extra possessions by crashing the offensive glass, they have a 30% offensive rebound percentage uh, when those two guys are on the floor. That's really good. Um, they're efficient. They're able to get to the line. The pace isn't terrible. I've been really encouraged by the fact that they've been able to play those two guys together and what that's meant for for both of their games. So, uh, so Ben, what have, what have your impressions been of that two-big lineup and how I, you know, with Marvin Bagley out, how hard should they work to to maintain the integrity of that lineup? Well, Stu's Stu's three point shooting is still pretty streaky. It, it's slumped a little bit over the past two weeks, which I think is going to impact that O rating a little bit. And you know, defensively, you know, they're those two guys' numbers are always going to suffer 
a little bit because the team is just struggling so much to figure out its defensive identity. So everything's got to be taken in context and with, with a grain of salt when you're looking at these two guys. You know, I think Jalen is still very much a work in progress in terms of a team defender. I think individually he's doing some really nice things defensively. You know, obviously hurt today. We didn't get to see him uh, nursing some soreness. Individually, he's got a knack for the ball. He he plays passing lane well. He challenges shots really well. Uh, he just lose. He gets lost in rotations. If he's got to rotate more than once, he, he gets lost. So that's I think where he's got to continue to work and develop. That's where I think Stu. If we think back to Stu as a rookie, um, you know he he wasn't great at shot blocking or playing passing lanes. Um, he wasn't necessarily very good laterally. But he he was pretty good, I think, rotating. Jalen, by contrast, you know, he's he's better with a nose for the ball, but he, he gets lost in rotations. Um, I still like what I'm seeing, and I'm still optimistic. So, you know, thinking about what, what do we have left, 38, 39 games, something like that left in the season. You're right, Les, losing that third big and being forced to stagger these two guys is probably – the big bummer of the next 20 or 30, whatever we have without, without Marvin Bagley. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of the thing, Jaden Ivy and watching those two guys play together, the, the two big reasons to keep, you know, to keep us engaged in watching, right. Cause we're probably going to lose a lot still. So I hope that the coaches and the GM are on the same page about what the priorities are, because I think you got to figure out, the four and six minute stints where you can still play those guys and evaluate those two, those two guys together because you know you want you want Cade and Jaden playing together and you want um, Stu and, and Jalen playing together next season because that's what you're playing for right now you're not playing for this season so but you also don't want to be blown out by twenty points a game you got to figure out a way to be competitive <laughs> so I, I think they've got to be really creative intentional about figuring out how to continue to do that because. There is, there is a real potential there, especially as Stu, and this is his first year shooting the three. It's going to level out. He was really bad shooting the three. Then he seemed to find his stroke, and now he's struggling a little bit for the last two weeks. Shooting, I think he had a one-for-seven game and a two-for-six game, and that's going to make those averages go all over the place. So he's got to figure out how to consistently knock down the three. Uh, and those guys just need some time to play together so, so that Jalen can figure out okay, I, I can't go for every single steal. I can't go for every single block. Sometimes I just got to be solid and stay on my feet so that I can rotate to the next guy, get to the next help position, and that's going to make the overall team defense better. Um, offensively, I'm still super interested to see. I don't know when this point will come, if it's going to be next season or um, this season. His his Jalen Duran's instincts to pass the ball are super intriguing to me. They still remain very interesting. Against Golden State, we saw, I mean, the dude can finish at the rim. And I think he only, I, was he perfect from the field, if I recall, in that game? Um, I think only one or two of those buckets he created on his own. We still have seen almost nothing of what he can do by himself offensively, right? So at some point, maybe it's the last 10 games of the season, I'm sure they'll give him a chance to do at least a little bit offensively. So that's something we haven't even seen yet, right? And maybe they wait till next season to do it. Maybe it'll be the last five games, Laz. I can, <laughs> no one else can see the look on your face. We don't. We, this is not a video-on-demand podcast yet. But, uh, 
yeah, I, I'm still hopeful. The numbers aren't great yet, Laz, but I'm still hopeful about these two bigs. Jack, what are you seeing? What do you think about these two bigs? Oh, to be honest, just from a watchability standpoint, it's been the main thing I've enjoyed probably the past oh, at least three to four weeks. I mean, I've really liked the process. Like, I feel like Stu, they've, they've really connected each other with some nice passes. Sometimes it looks a little awkward, but that's just, that comes with building chemistry. Like, and I mean, Ben, you're right. Stu, I think is shooting like 25% from three his past 10 or 11 games. Um, so the stroke has definitely dipped and we're now probably close to a month. So now's the time to like, we really see if that three point shot is for real. Um, I would say Stu up until that point was exceeding expectations. He was shooting like close to 40% almost. Um, so, but I've really enjoyed it. You know, we've seen Stu develop his drive game. He, he actually had started going like teams were closing out on him in the corners and he was taking people off the bounce. Um, once again, still looked a bit awkward, but I, I mean, I've really enjoyed it and it would, yeah, that that's this Bagley injury. If that means they're going to have to be split up a lot more, that's a bit of a bummer. Um, but hopefully there's a clear investment from the franchise in trying to play Stuart the four. So you would think they will try and manipulate the rotation to allow for, you know, at least 12 minutes a game of Stu and Durant next to each other. Um, or just play Nerlens Noel. He hit two mid-rangers tonight. So if someone doesn't prime away with a first rounder, <laughs> that's what I'm talking maybe, about. Maybe, maybe we, we keep Nerlens around so we can facilitate that two big lineup. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have your thoughts been about Stu at the four, Jack? Um, I, we haven't really talked about this. But between, you know, you talked a little bit about the shot and, and being able to put the ball on the floor. But I'm curious of your thoughts about him uh, defensively out on the perimeter while like Jalen Duran kind of lurks in, in the paint. What have, you, what have you thought about that aspect of his game? I think I, I absolutely, I love the idea of it. I mean, Stu is a better switch defender than playing in drops. So he can stick with some perimeter guys. I'm not sure about on the elite wings in the league who play at the four. Like, I don't think you want him playing LeBron the whole game or, but I mean, not many people can guard those guys. Anyway, the big thing for Stu is, can he provide that weak side protection like Jeremy Grant did? That's what Jeremy was really good at. And that's what these sort of Jaden McDaniel types, um, these rangy wings who play the four, they're really good at providing weak side protection and, Shu doesn't have that athletic grace Jeremy and the other guys I mentioned have. So the big thing for me is on defense, can he provide that weak side protection when Duran's not at the rim or rotating? So um, I haven't, off the top of my head, I haven't seen a whole lot of it, um, but that's the thing defensively for me. I, I think he's fine switching and he does a pretty, he's one of the best switch bigs in the league. And, um, yeah, it's just that weak side rim protection is the thing to keep an eye on. No, definitely. I think uh, the other thing that Ben and I have talked about with with those two bigs is definitely rebounding. It's like if you're going to play two, two, if one center and like Stu's like a four and a half at this point, maybe uh, it's like you need to be able to win the battle on the glass, and uh, that was something that was definitely a struggle when they were starting like Boyan and Sadiq Bay, um, and so to in order to make that lineup work, you're definitely going to need to be able to rebound the basketball, which should also help them defensively if they're able to, you know, end possessions, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was Killian Hayes. Uh, Killian Hayes, obviously 
uh, clocked Mo Wagner, like you talked about, Ben. That was a that was a surprise. Did not see that game live. That was a fun morning on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> um, but as a starter, Killian is averaging uh, before tonight's game which had a lot of turnovers and he's actually had like 10 turnovers in the last two games, which is not a great sign. But as a starter overall, Killian's averaging 11 and a half, 11 and a half points, three and a half rebounds and like six and a half assists, uh, shooting 35% from three, 41% from the floor. He's averaging almost a steal and a half. And he's turning it over under uh, two times a game, which is interesting. So like a, like more or less a seven to two assist to turnover ratio, which is much more than I was expecting. Um, Killian has been a, I think he's overperformed expectations this season. Um, that'd be like a fair characterization, but that you can't say that without mentioning that like expectations were in like the toilet for Killian this season. Um, and so Jack, I wanted to get your thoughts about uh, how Killian has played as a starter and kind of like, what do you think that means for the rotation? Like when Cade Cunningham comes back? Yeah, I think. I mean, Killian, like you said, Laz, the expectations were so low and they even went lower when he had those first 10 games where he was averaging like two points and an assist and shooting sub 20%. Like it, I've, I felt really bad for Killian. Like that was, so I think because they were so low, this turnaround has, it's, it's hard. It's just been, it's quite remarkable really. And it probably, does look a bit better than it does because because I th- still think he's shooting around 40%. He's still struggling to get to the rim. You know, he's had a couple of high turnover games. But, I mean, as a starter, he's been the Pistons' best playmaker. He's the, the one guard on the team who can get the offense into some kind of flow. Like, for me personally, like, that three-game absence made it so clear to me Um I guess it just made me appreciate Killian as a player a lot more. Like I, I was really enjoying the, you know, the 15 and 10 assist games and that was really great, but I wasn't really 100% sold on his maybe keeping him around long-term until this three-game absence. Like I just, his passing, we all know he's a great passer, but just he's the one guy that can define Duran on the role. Like that's been one of the things with Duran. I just don't feel like there's been anyone to help him in the pick and roll apart from Killian. And yeah, I think he's finally found a go-to move. I feel like that was one thing we all wanted from Killian, a go-to offensive move. And it is the least efficient shot in the game, but he's making it efficient. So that long two-pointer, you know, he's got a shot. He's got a go-to move. And we've seen him make that time and time again. Like it almost feels weird when he misses one now. I mean, for me at least, which to think that halfway through this season from where I was prior, like, I, I'm really happy to see Killian's progression. And I think there really is a question now. Do you keep him around long-term as that third guard? Um, obviously, the next draft will probably dictate that decision as well, depending on who the Pistons select. But, um, yeah, still plenty to work on. But it's hard. Like, he, he's been in the top three Pistons players this season, I would say, which is quite remarkable after the start he had. Yeah, that is, that is a crazy thing to tell, like, November Laz, that, like, Killian's been a, a top three, <laughs> top four Piston. Uh, ben, what have you thought about this uh, this experiment of Killian being the starting point guard and really the only point guard that sees consistent minutes? Well, Jack, I'm glad you mentioned the absence after the suspension because um, I think that's an 
an interesting way to evaluate his impact because when he's completely unavailable because he's suspended and the team struggles mightily as a result of that, right? I mean, he's the only uh, dynamic point guard with the ability to uh, run the offense and you're relying on Kojo as a result of it, right? Like that's a, a very good way to assess overall impact, right? Beyond a stat line, beyond your eye test, like when he's completely unavailable, what does the offense look like? And it looks terrible. <laughs> that tells you something pretty interesting about a player, right? Um, I, I think the thing to keep in mind with Killian, um, two things to keep in mind about Killian. One, he's incredibly young. We drafted him when he was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly young. He was probably too young, right? He wasn't quite ready yet. And he was thrust into a role he wasn't really quite ready for. And so when we think about his age now, I mean, he's he's finally at an age where a lot of people are just emerging into an NBA role. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is something I've said before, but I'll just put it out there as, as something to keep in mind. He's thriving in the role that he has always played. And as a Piston, it's the role he's played probably the least, right? He was injured as a rookie. Like he, he, he started as a point guard. He got injured. He came back. They were shuffling all around. Then they drafted Cade Cunningham. They threw him off ball. They don't go, go stand in the corner and shoot threes. Then, you know, he's been shuffled all over the place. He's finally got the ball in his hands as a point guard, as a playmaker, doing the things he has always done until he was drafted by the Pistons and got injured, right? So he's doing the things that he's been good at for the majority of his professional career before becoming a Piston, and he's thriving, right? With a long leash, without getting yanked because he's made a mistake, and he's playing like the guy you expected him to be when you drafted him, right? So I think that's incredibly interesting. Um, you know, there was some some Twitter stuff. What do we think the Pistons ought to do with him long-term? I'm not ready to make that a conversation yet. I want to see what he continues to do over the course of the season. But I will say he's certainly playing his way into, at a minimum, um, a long-term reserve rotation caliber player at I think he's 21 right now and if his shot continues to improve you can certainly see a higher ceiling than that right and here's the thing I want to keep in mind with Killian I I want I think Killian Jaden Ivey Kane Huntingham I look at that group of three guys uh Cade in particular is really long Killian also has quite a bit of length and Jaden doesn't have, I don't know if he has quite as much length, but he's got an incredible amount of athleticism. What I see in that group is a lot of, assuming all of those guys hit somewhere up close to their ceiling, what I see is a lot of po positional versatility. So I can see all of those guys switching defensively, matching up defensively in really interesting ways. And if they all reach somewhere close to their ceiling offensively, I don't think it really matters who's your point guard, who's your small forward, who's your your shooting guard. I can see all of them in the last four or five, six minutes of a game, shuffling in and out and playing together in the last crunch time minutes and playing effectively together four years down the line, right? Like I can see that happening. I could also see it not happening, but I could see it happening. So um, 
when it comes to Killian Hayes, I'm not at all ready to throw in the towel. I'm also not really ready to throw in the towel on Jay and Ivy, right? Like I was critical of him really. I'm not throwing in the towel on Jay and Ivy. He's just having a rough stretch. But, um, you know, with, with Killian Hayes, um, the only thing about Killian is he's got to figure a way to shoot the ball consistently. He's got to make, he's got to get his shooting to somewhere close to league average for his position because everything else he does is good. He's a good defender. He's a good playmaker. He runs the offense well. He sees the court incredibly well. Put the ball in the basket, Killian, and, and get that shot figured out. And I, I think you're going to be a good player. 21 years old, kid. I mean, he he could be he could be a really solid player. So, um, yeah, that that's where I'm with Killian Hayes. I can I continue to be cheering for him, and uh, hope he figures out the the Mason Plumley left-handed free throw jumper. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, the thing, I'm glad you both mentioned the, the suspension. It's interesting to me because my main takeaway from the, from the time where Killian, uh, wasn't running the offense and wasn't able to participate uh, as a, as a member of the team, it was more that like Jaden Ivy probably isn't ready to play point guard Ooh, than it was that Killian okay. like was like really doing, uh, any, anything like excessive for the Pistons. It's also a little bit of like Kojo is like. Kojo's kind of kind of done. Kojo's kind of cooked. totally washed, right? Like, yeah. oh, we don't we don't have to pretend anymore. We can yeah. we can say goodbye to Kojo this offseason and, and thank you for your service. But yeah, I think that my my thing was more that like Jaden Ivy really, um, he's good at the things he's good at right now, uh, but asking him to kind of play outside of structure or asking him to like really predetermine and map the map the floor is like not quite where you want to be. Off, uh, offensively and so i think he's stuck he's quote-unquote like stuck as an off guard right now um the thing that's been encouraging for me about killian is that the sample size of these games just keeps growing right like it was when it was like five games is like okay we'll see we'll see what happens like then the dallas game happens and it's like it's 15 games it's like okay we'll keep seeing what happens now it's like it's almost 30 games and it's like yeah. okay guys like, it, like yeah. we'll keep seeing what happens yeah you're right um, you're right and, and so it's like i'm i'm inevitably waiting for the shoe to drop but i do think that uh he's been like jack mentioned he has something that he feels like he can do consistently offensively that's been a big help um you're starting to see a little bit of i noticed this today in philly like teams still just kind of sitting on the left and and waiting for him to try and get back to it uh, that caused a couple turnovers. I think that was also part of the reason why his turnovers were up in San Antonio. Uh, he got stuck in traffic uh, a couple times, headed back to the left, and uh, and you'll you'll see teams continue to stick on that as um, he continues to be like a starting level player and and have the scout out on him. But yeah, I've been it's like this is this has been a a competent stretch of basketball from a 21 year old point guard. Someone, someone tweeted like, Hey, if we had drafted Killian at 21 and he was putting up these numbers, like exactly. we'd all be ecstatic. And this is like, yeah, this is a, it's a great way of looking at it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the final thing I wanted to talk about was the news we got that Troy Weaver got a contract extension question mark. Uh, I haven't seen uh, like a length of uh, the length of the contract extension, but it was reported by Sham Sarania of the athletic. Um, it's a little weird. Timing is a little weird uh, for for a, a contract expen- extension. Jack, what did you think when you saw that news? Did you were you uh, were you expecting like a, a Troy Weaver contact uh, contract extension uh, to come down the pike this season? Yeah, it was a little strange, and I mean, I think 
it's hard. It's obviously hard to say, is it the right or wrong move? Clearly. I mean, I don't mind that there's obviously a level of trust in Troy. I feel like, I mean, I've been a fan since 2011, but from 2008 to maybe Stan Van Gundy's time, like there was a plenty of coaches that come and go on players in and out. Like it was a pretty turbulent period. So I guess, you know, seeing that there's a level of trust between owner and general manager. I mean, I don't mind that, but the timing's weird. And I mean, there's no real rush. Um, I did want to add, I think it's, it's tricky with the Pistons because I mean, I think we're in Troy's, this is his third season, I believe. And obviously fans have, you know, we're starving for some form of success. I don't think there's been a playoff win since 2008, maybe 2007. So it's really tricky. And I mean, because you can see that the fan base is starting to question Troy and rightfully so. I think it's important to remember when Troy came, he inherited a roster with really no assets at all. I mean, because I I see the Pistons compared to the Rockets, OKC and the Magic a lot. And all three of those franchises were able to flip out their stars and get a heap of draft picks, assets, even young players back to sort of kickstart their rebuild. The Pistons started with nothing. They had Sekou Dumboya and they were meant to get pick five and fell to seven and got Killian, who we've just discussed, was a, he's a project. Stu's being nice. Bays, we don't know what he's, where Sadiq's at. I, I think Troy's drafted reasonably well. Um, but I do think next season, it's definitely time. There needs to be, you know, the wins need to start coming. I mean, injuries, this season has been hampered by injuries, but yeah, it's been disappointing nonetheless. And yeah, next season is really when I think the pressure begins and that extension will be a point of conversation for good or bad. Yeah, Ben, what what did you think of the extension? I I agree with Jack that it, it, the timing definitely uh, seemed weird. Yeah, uh, surprise is the right word for me as well. Um, I think in terms of wins and losses, obviously the out the outcomes haven't been there, but the the goals were clearly different than the previous uh the previous brass right i mean uh troy was tasked with a complete rebuild uh, rebuild it's been branded as a restoration i mean you can throw season one out the window obviously right that was the the season that you used to completely start over um he did the things we would have expected with the number one pick. I mean, Laz, you and I both agreed. I mean, I, I think we were both sort of torn up until the moment of the draft. What do you do? I was torn between Mobley and Cade and eventually just said, look, it's the consensus number one pick. You take Cade. And then he drafted really well after Cade, right? He's done some really interesting things. Um, in free agency and trades, he's been very creative. Boyan has been a, a fantastic acquisition and so on and so forth. Um, you know, the Ivy pick, I don't, eh, I'm not going to rehash all of that. Um, but the timing is weird, right? Like um, re-upping before any of the the risks that he's taken have come to fruition is interesting, right? That that is That is really interesting. I think also re-upping right after re-upping Casey is also interesting, especially while there are questions about Casey. So I don't know. The timing is, the timing is weird. Um, I also don't think it's necessarily bad because um, 
you know, maybe you just want to give Weaver the confidence and the certainty to continue to be aggressive and, you know, go, go get it, go finish the job you started. Right. Like maybe that's the conversation Gora's and Weaver have had. Um, obviously these kind of conversations we as fanalists are not privy to. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I've had my own uncertainties and questions about Weaver that I'm not, I haven't litigated yet. I'm not going to litigate. It's way too soon to litigate because Cade Cunningham's what, 21, Ivy's 20 or 21. All these guys are 20 or 21. We're not going to know how all this plays out until they're 23, 24, 25, 26 years old. So, um, timing's odd, but, uh, you know, Weaver unquestionably as Jack, you just explained very clearly when you compare the cards he was dealt to the cards other teams in similar situations was dealt has has managed to turn those cards into something objectively no questions asked you can you can quibble with certain moves he's made but on the whole he's managed to turn it into something uh, something fairly impressive i think so i i don't think even if you disagree with certain particularities on the whole i think you'd have to say he's done a fairly good job the timing was interesting because so like normally you're the GM, you get the contract extension after you win like the 40 games, right? Like we're, we're going into year three of Troy Weaver's tenure and we're going into year three of like sub 25 win team. It's like, normally you get the extension when like you make the play in tournament or uh, you, uh, you make the playoffs for sure. It's like, okay, like everything you predicted would happen, like the development you uh, you foresaw, the the guys you drafted, like they, they developed accordingly. And so like we're rewarding you. To get the reward before the actual thing has come to fruition was, was just a little bit weird. I'll say that much. I do think a lot of it though was what, I, do, I think some part of it was what Ben talked about uh, in terms of like a, it's a light, the contract extension as a license to still be aggressive, as a license to not feel like you have to do, you know, uh, some sort of trade in order to preserve your your position, a license to like not do something like let's trade for uh, X, <laughs> right, right. Let's let's trade for X guy so we make the playoffs for sure, right? Even if we're the eight seed and that, that hampers our cap for the next three years, so it's like I, I understand the theory of the case behind that. The timing was just weird. If I remember correctly, Troy signed a four-year deal, and this is year three. And so I, I, I guess year, this next year was going to be uh, his final year, but it's like I, lame duck GMs happen all the time. So I'm, it, was, it was just weird. It was just weird. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it at that. Um, Jack, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you, uh, you being here. Appreciate you catching me and Ben up to speed with what happened with the games we missed. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find the the great work you've been doing for us. No problem, guys. You didn't miss much, so. <laughs> but nonetheless, appreciate it. No, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore Kelly underscore 313. Um, I do have a Jalen Duran piece that should be dropping in the next day or two, just sort of going through the catalyst for his success as well as the intrigue surrounding his game. Ben mentioned his passing in the pod that features heavily. So, um, yeah, give us a follow. DMs are open to chat hoops. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. 
No, no problem. Advertising the open DMs is not something I would be doing, but you're <laughs> you're a younger and uh, healthier man than I, for sure. Uh, ben, let the people know where they can find you and uh, where they can chat with you about basketball this season. Well, first of all, Jack, I just want to mention it's been awesome to see you blossom as a writer. Uh, seeing your success over the past year, year and a half, has been really cool to see. Um, you're doing great work. I, I always look forward to seeing your stuff. Uh, Detroit that, Bad Boys man. and other That's places, fun. man. It's been really cool to watch. So uh, if you're not following Jack on the blog at Detroit Bad Boys or on Twitter, otherwise make sure you correct that and do it. It's been fun to watch. He's always a great read. I'll, I'll be looking forward to reading the, the Jalen Duran piece this week. Uh, yeah, I made the mistake of live tweeting this Pistons debacle today and had to sign off because I was feeling emo, Ben, as the Pistons got blown out. Uh, yeah, man, uh, at Detroit Bad Boys is probably the comments thread this week. I'll, eh, let, let's talk. Let's talk about something positive on Detroit Bad Boys in the comments thread of the podcast post. Otherwise, at Beer on Twitter. My DMs are not open, but if you're following me, you can send me a message. <laughs> I'm married, Jack. I think you just said you had a girlfriend. I'm married, so my DMs are closed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's a correlation oh between married and DMs being open, but I, yeah, I mean, I, oof. yeah. I'm not, I'm not waiting. That's a whole separate podcast. That's a different subject. That's a, that's a different. Uh, I'm a couple of months from forty. I don't have time for open DMs. Let's just say that. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I think my DMs are like semi open. You have to be, I think you have to be following me in order to send me a DM. I think that's how that goes. My email address is also like in my Twitter bio. You could always oh, yeah. just email okay. me. And it's like I, I read all of my emails. I'm a, I'm a zero, uh, I'm an email zero guy. And so I read everything uh, people send, which is like next to nothing. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I I appreciate everybody who wants to reach out and chat hoops, even the people who are just yelling about Killian Hayes back and forth in my mentions. <laughs> I appreciate you guys too. All right, everyone, thank you all for listening. We are I apologize for the hiatus as well. Uh, we had some like holiday snafus. I went to uh, Nor I went to New Orleans for like five days. It's like it didn't pack the microphone. It was just is a lot of stuff happening. So I know this podcast is like a week and a half late, but it got you Jack. So you should be happy about that. Uh, podcast will resume on a normal schedule. What were you going to say, Ben? I was going to say sometimes, someday, Laz, we'll have to compare stories about uh, New Orleans. I'll have, to, I'll have to tell you my karaoke my karaoke <laughs> stories from the um, my night in New Orleans. Let's put that oh, we are We are definitely going to have to talk about that. <laughs> I was in my 20s, so you know it got interesting. <laughs> New Orleans, lovely city. Wait, well, definitely going back. Cat Scratch. What's Cat the name? Cast Meow, whatever that the famous karaoke bar is. I wound up there, so let's put it that way. Right, and on right. stage. Oh. Hold on okay. stage against okay. my will. Let's let's uh let's, <laughs> let's keep the mystery, but yeah, for sure. You guys have to listen to the extended hours of the podcast. Yeah. After yeah, dark. Is, yeah, the podcast after dark. <laughs> All right, y'all. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. We'll be back on a normal schedule, I promise. Uh, so we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening.